Welcome to Playmakers, everyone. I'm your host, Haley Elwood. It is week four, and the Los Angeles Chargers will begin a two-game road stretch with starts this week against the Houston Texans. So joining me to talk about this one and preview the Bolts opponent is DP Sidhu of HoustonTexans.com. DP, how are you? I'm good, Haley. Nice to see you again. We met towards the end of last year, and here we are again. <laughs> Um, some things have changed and some things remain the same, but, uh, you know, the Texans are really excited to be back at home. They just finished a two-game road stretch as well, so looking forward to this matchup on Sunday. Absolutely. So, yeah, for the Chargers, this is sort of a return to a house of horrors, if you will. I know Chargers <laughs> fans don't want to go back to that Week 16 game last year, but... You get it early in 2022, so they're back on the road. The Texans are 0-2-1, but to me, they're a frisky team. Their losses have been by one score. They've come so close. What is the mindset of the team right now? It's frustrated. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. They've been close losses. This team has been either in the lead or tied heading into the fourth quarter of all three of these games, which have been so winnable. And yet they have been outscored 30 to nothing in the fourth quarter. So um, it's been frustrating to say the least. But the good thing is it's early in the season. Levy Smith keeps saying there's a lot of football left ahead. So it is encouraging that they are doing things right through the first three quarters of the games. They just haven't been able to finish games. So there certainly are some weaknesses both on offense and defense, but there have been some strengths too. So, um, you know, they had two interceptions that they had against the Bears last week, couldn't convert them into points. The offense stalled several times, four times, in fact, on third and one. They couldn't convert those to extend the drives. And then throwing an interception, you know, when you're driving deep into your end zone. So there's so many opportunities for this team to have scored and to have won these games. And it has been frustrating, but they just feel like they're so close. And if they can just turn things around, make some small changes, that the ball will eventually tip their way. As a Chargers, as someone who's covered the Chargers now for so many years, that has been the story of some of these Chargers teams of years past. It's so familiar to hear it. And eventually you hope that, yeah, they will get over that hump. But in speaking to quarterback Davis Mills, I made reference to it. The Chargers saw him last year. How has he maybe evolved a little bit now in year two? You know, I think there were a lot of really high expectations for Davis, especially with how he closed out last season. You know, his touchdown-interception ratio was really high. We saw what he was able to do against the Chargers last year. I mean, this offense yeah. put up – the offense and defense combined put up 41 points. So he had an entire offseason to be the starter. Last year was Tyrod Taylor, a guy that you guys are very familiar with, who was named the starter heading into week one. He got injured, then Davis came in, then Tyrod came off IR, uh, and then Davis was back up again. And then, you know, when Tyrod struggled, it was Davis back in the mix again. So – he wasn't really the starter. He wasn't getting first-team reps throughout OTAs and throughout training camp the way he did this offseason. And this offseason, he really worked closely with the receivers, guys like Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, his tight ends. You know, he took them out to uh, Atlanta where he played high school. They had throwing sessions there. They also met up in Oregon about a week before camp started. Brandon Cooks organized that. So everyone really felt like the chemistry that they had seen clicking towards the end of 2021 would just be better and better this year. But it hasn't really been that case through these first three games, Haley. I mean, there have been dropped passes. Uh, they haven't been able to convert on third down. They were 3 of 25 on third down last week against the Bears. Uh, it's, it's been a struggle, and part of that falls on the quarterback. Part of that falls on the receivers. You know, maybe some of that is the fact that it's a brand-new offensive scheme, and there's just some growing pains with going through that. But 
It hasn't been as smooth and the expectations haven't been met for what everyone expected Davis Mills or wanted Davis Mills um, to do here, making that year one to year two jump. So um, there have been flashes of what he can do. They've certainly done some things well early on in games. They've moved the ball. Uh, he's made some nice big chunk plays to Nico Collins. Um, we have a nice young running back in Damian Pierce. The run game has certainly improved from last year. That's helped open up the pass game a little bit more. So the offensive line, you know, you've, you've got the interior of the line that's been beefed up a little bit. He hasn't really taken a lot of sacks. He only took one sack against the Bears. So where there have been improvements, there have definitely been improvements, but the expectation is still there to see him really put up some points. And, and that's where they've really struggled, just the inability to score in the fourth quarter. Against the Broncos, against Russell Wilson, that game was certainly in hand. Couldn't score a touchdown. They just settled for field goals. So I think there is still a lot more room for growth. Uh, they have to work on that chemistry with the receivers. And, you know, maybe he just needs more weapons. But whatever the case is, you know, it's certainly a lot of room for improvement here for Davis Mills heading into the season. You mentioned Tyrod Taylor, and it's kind of funny. These two teams have a lot of crossover because we're going to get to one of those guys, and that's Pep Hamilton, who was the quarterback's coach. He's now the OC of the Texans. He was with the Chargers in 2020 and had a huge influence on Justin Herbert in his rookie season. Now with the Reigns as the OC, what is the vibe there? I mean, I know you mentioned it's a little different, but how has that been going? And maybe with his sort of veteran presence and all the years that he's had coaching in the NFL and in college, how can he be a good influence and resource for Davis Mills as well? I mean, yeah, certainly last year he was quarterback's coach. He was the passing game coordinator. So, you know, he really was a big help to, to Davis Mills in his rookie campaign. I mean, he was working closely with Davis last year, especially in those games where Davis wasn't the starter where he was coming off the bench. So, you know, Pep Hamilton heading into this this offseason got to implement his own offensive scheme, his own system, but he knew what he was working with. You know, most times you fire a coaching staff, you bring in a new coaching staff, they got to watch film, they got to get to know the players, they've got to see, you know, what they've what, what, what they need to do well, what the players' strengths are, what their weaknesses are. That hasn't been the case with Pep. I mean, he got to see firsthand uh, what Davis Mills brought to this passing game. And, you know, both of them being Stanford alums, you know, they have a lot of similarities in the systems they do like to run. So in that sense, it's been really good. I think the transition, Davis Mills has been very pleased with working with Pep Hamilton because there's been some continuity, even though it's been a new coaching staff. It hasn't really felt so new uh, to Davis Mills. So that's been good. As far as the play calling with Pep, I mean, I think he's still going through some growing pains with this yeah. offense and some new pieces in place and getting the run game going. I think in, in week one, they ran the ball, but not as much as they would have wanted with Damian Pierce. Pierce, the rookie, was um, more Rex Burkhead, less Damian Pierce. Um, the next week, they, they tried to run it more with Damian Pierce. He came out of the game a little bit early. This last week, they were determined to keep Damian Pierce in the game. He fumbled twice. The second fumble, they took him out of the game. And then the final drive, they just weren't able to get any points. So um, it's been growing pains for both of them. But I think as far as Davis Mills is concerned, it has been an asset to have a guy that was with him during his rookie uh, campaign and has helped him through his development to really help aid him in that year two jump. So another tie between these two teams is that former Charger Jacques Césaire is the Texans' defensive line coach. What has it been like getting to know him and the influence he's had on that unit? Yeah, I had a chance to talk with Jacques in training camp, and you know he obviously spent some time with the Chargers. He spent some time with the Bills, and the Texans signed two former Bills to this defensive line squad, Mario Addison, who's currently on IR, but also Jerry Hughes, who's been the sack leader for this team. He's got 
four sacks through three games. And I think Césaire just brings this sort of attitude to the D-line. You know, Levy Smith has always said that the D-line is the engine of this defense. And I think Jacques implements it. He executes it. The attitude that he wants them to have to really get after the quarterback. He feels like the attitude of the entire defense starts up front with his guys. And so he's got a heavy rotation of guys he's got to get through. And, you know, all those guys take a lot of pride in what they're able to do with the pass rush. The pass rush has been actually one of the strengths of this defense. They just haven't been able to stop the run. So, uh, you know, what they're able to do as far as getting after the quarterbacks, I think it starts with Jacques Césaire. And I think the familiarity that some of his play- former players had had with them, they bring that attitude and they can really bring it to the D-line group. And he's got guys that are that are rookies, that are vets. I mean, Addison and Hughes bring 25 years of experience. He's got Jean Grenard, who's in his third year. And, you know, everyone really expects to see him do some good things. He was a sack leader for the Texans last year. Roy Lopez in his second year. You know, I think Jacques has a a really interesting mix of players, some free agents they signed as well. And, you know, he's got a lot to work with. And it really helps that when Levy Smith's defense, you know, they're sort of on the same page with what they want to see. And they have a lot of expectations for the defensive linemen up front. But it's been a pleasure getting to know Jacques. He's actually really good friends and former teammates with uh, a former Charger, Travis Johnson, who was a former Texan as well. And Travis does a lot of radio and TV for us. And so I had a chance to ask Jacques about Travis, and he said that he's saving all of his good stories about Travis Johnson for his book later on, so I'll be looking for that whenever that comes out. He is, he's hilarious. He's, he's such a fun guy, and one of, like, my favorite off-field story was, he obviously didn't play when I started working for the Chargers, but he still was in San Diego at the time, and I was working at a dance studio, and um, for a June recital, we always had a father-daughter dance, and I had no idea that his daughter was taking classes at the studio, and I'm going through the recital program, and I'm like, oh, Jacques Césaire, and he he got up (laughs) on stage. He did the father-daughter dance. It was awesome. It was incredible, and it's just so much fun to see when it was someone, you know, you obviously like watch growing up on television, do his thing on Sundays, and then you're like, huh, that's cool. Not too big for him. He's not too big time to get into the (laughs) father-daughter dance. These players, players are people too. Coaches are people uh-huh. too. So, you know, they're getting after it with their family. They're getting after it on the field. They, they, you know, he's definitely one of those guys that shows his personality too. A hundred percent. So in sticking with the defensive theme, rookie DB Jalen Petrie, he had a big game. You mentioned those two picks. They came courtesy of him. He had a sack against Chicago. Why is he someone the Chargers should have their eye on this week? I mean, Jalen Petrie, I mean, you talk about bright spots for this defense. Second round pick for the Texans. Uh, He went to Baylor. He was Big 12 uh, Conference Defensive Player of the Year last year in 2021. He grew up about 20 minutes from the stadium here in Stafford, Texas. And, you know, this is a team that drafted Derek Stingley, number three overall. So there were a lot of expectations of Derek Stingley. And then quietly, Jalen Petrie throughout the OTAs and the offseason, we knew right away that he was going to be a starter. Like, he made an impact from the jump. He's a five-year player out of Baylor. He's super smart. He's got his graduate degree. And he sort of carries himself like that, too. He doesn't carry himself like a rookie. And I think he's really picked up on a lot of things. And he brings a versatility that I think you don't expect from a lot of rookies. I mean, he obviously, he plays safety, but, you know, he can blitz. He can cover. He can he can pretty much do anything. He, he can play anywhere on that field. And they've certainly used him as such. So he's all over the field. He really seems to have a nose for the ball, We saw him get his first two career interceptions. He got his first one, then he got a second one. And then he got his first career sack last week against the Chicago Bears. And it obviously 
or it, it didn't come as a surprise. I mean, I think he was coming very, very close every single week, and we saw what he was doing in practice. In fact, I think there was one point in OTAs where Levy Smith said he's he's getting a pick every day in practice. But you know, it's OTA, so there's there's no pads, right. so you can't really read too much into it. But I think what we've seen throughout the offseason has really translated on the field for Jalen Petrie, and this is a secondary where. You know, we were really worried what was going to happen to the safety position. Justin Reed departed in free agency. Um, you, you have a whole new secondary back there, and he's starting next to Jonathan Owens, who was a guy that came in on the practice squad in 2019 and worked his way up to starter. He got his first career interception last year against the Chargers, and now he's starting in that safety spot next to Jalen Petrie. And he was saying that, you know, it's funny because Petrie will call him at night and say, hey, I was just watching this play, and what do you think of this, and what do you think of that? And he said... Then I have to get my iPad back out because he's asking me all these questions. So, you know, he just really loves football, and I think he's just become a sponge. But what we've seen from him on the field and just the way – I mean, we interview players all the time, right? Just You can sort of tell the rookies from the vets. I mean, I'll tell you, Haley, when he answers questions and, and you ask him about a game, his his presence doesn't even feel like a rookie, the way he just answers questions and just – he just gets it. He just is one of those mm-hmm. guys that really gets it. And he's willing to learn. He wants to learn. And – you know, as much as these coaches don't want to put too much on a rookie's plate or give them too much praise, Lovey Smith, I mean, he couldn't even hide it. Like, he really liked this guy from the jump, and he knew that Jalen Petrie was going to be – he got first-team defensive snaps throughout the offseason, uh, throughout, off throughout OTAs, throughout training camp. And so he definitely is a guy that you're going to have to watch for because he's only getting better and better with each week. I love that iPad story. Like, the kid's just at home. <laughs> you know how that is when you're like, oh, I've already done my homework, and i am got to pull yeah. it back out again. Yeah. No, that's great. That is so great to hear. And then final question. The Chargers are obviously dealing with some injuries on their end, but from your perspective, what is a factor or maybe factors in terms of how you see this game shaking out? You know, I think it's going to be a big day for the pass rush because, like you mentioned, Justin Herbert is a guy that likes to get these big plays. We saw some of the passes he made even with his injured ribs last week against Jacksonville. So I think just making him even more uncomfortable. I know that the Chargers have struggled against the run, and the Texans have – the defense has really struggled against the run as well. So if it's not a big running day, they're just going to have to get up front, make him uncomfortable, and just keep him off the field. I think the best way to limit Justin Herbert is just to keep him off the field, injured or not. He's – you know, he's a real threat in that passing game, and he does have mobility as well. So he's able to make some plays even outside the pocket. So – I think the offense for the Texans is going to have to convert some of these third downs. They were three of 25. On, they were 25 percent, um, three of 12 on third down, and you know that's something that they've really struggled with in recent weeks. So they're going to have to get better on third down. They're going to have to convert some of these third and longs, and third and ones, and third and shorts, and stay on the field and and keep their defense off of it. But when the defense is on the field, they're going to have to get that pass rush going against Justin Herbert. And I think. Uh, the game is really going to come down to that, especially if it's not one of those ground-and-pound games, which the Texans dealt with last week. I know the Chargers dealt with it against the Jaguars. It might be a game played through the air, so it's going to just have to be that defensive front um, against this O-line that we know for the Chargers is really banged up, and hopefully the Texans can come out with their first win. Yeah, when you mentioned keeping the defense on the field, that certainly was the case last week with the Jags and the Chargers. The Jags held the ball for like 36 or 38 minutes, which was incredible just to keep – Keep it away from Justin Herbert, if you will. DP, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We look forward to the game. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Haley. Appreciate it. Can't wait to see you Sunday.